So from my own personal experience, I'll tell you that it's a lot, it takes a lot longer to scrub the poem off the bathroom wall than it did to actually think of it and write it. Right. You know? Do you, did you start with here I sit? Oh, wait a minute. We're rolling. All right. Well, then let's roll. Hello, I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, two guys, guys on, on Block Island. Island. What shall we do with all right. Well, I'm, it's such a pleasure to introduce our guest today. I'm really happy she's here. She's an old friend of mine. And mine. Yeah. And Mark's. Yeah. We both know her very well. Um, she may not admit it publicly to uh, everyone, but um, it's Lisa Starr. Thanks for joining us today, Lisa. I might not admit my name. <laughs> no. You might not admit that you're friends with us. Oh, oh Richard. You can't not admit your name. Yeah, that's kind of part of the thing about the podcast is yeah. that people want to know who it is we're speaking to. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a big fun part of it. It is. So, I have um, a middle name too. What, what is, is it? Because it? it seemed a little awkward you saying my name. Maybe it'd be easier if you fleshed it out with the middle name Lisa Jill Star. Oh. It's not quite iambic, and is, but it works. Is Jill the full middle name or is that a it short is. version of it? Is. It's not but Jillian? It's, it, yeah, but it's spelled with a PH. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna have to. I'm, just, I'm trying to be funny. Yeah, <laughs> it works. I'm trying. I can hear my sister who gave me so much advice this morning. I think I'm trying a little too hard to be funny, but I do. I get around either of you gentlemen, so together it's a little too much. And immediately, like I want to be funnier. You know. We, well, we 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 get around each other and we have a hard time as well. It's we're hard fo- to resist. Concentrating. When we post this up to list, we're gonna have to try to spell. Jill with a PH. Yeah. In yeah. There. yeah. Yeah. It's tough to be so clever, you know. It's and not then you easy. get together and it's then exhausting. It, there's and exponential pe- numbers. People hear us and then everybody wants to be clever. It's, yeah. you know. I, I always know. love that line from Fight Club. You know, well, that's really clever. How's that working out for you? What? <laughs> Being clever. Really you know good. I mean? Yeah. 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 Really so good. far, so good. Really It's good. gotten me out of a few fights. Yeah. I, I've been. I mean, that's very. Good. Uh, I'd like to say I think it got him into a few or as well. into a few. Yeah, more to the point. So, Rich, since you started with poetry, should we go right back to that? No, because yet. well, wait, because just before we lose the thought, what what was your poem? Here I sit. Well, it rhymed with sit. Okay, here I so sit. I would you just gave me a flashback because where we are located, I grew up not far from here, and and I'm flooded with memories of my childhood. And where did and you grow up? I grew up in Ledger, Connecticut, uh, Ledger, Connecticut, which isn't far from here. We probably should, a mile in any direction. We should let our listeners know that we are recording off island today. Yes, in uh, lovely southeastern Connecticut. So that's why. Yep. It sorry sounds about like that. no, that's okay. We just every now and then like to remind ourselves that people aren't. Uh, right, can't see yeah. us. And with some of our guests that we want to capture, like Lisa here, live over here now, or at least at this point in time, so it's just been easier to... And, and we're accommodating yeah, like that. We'll come to you. We'll oh, come to I you. Love that. You don't yeah. have to come to us. PFA, that's what somebody called them. Alan McKay called them PFAs. You know what that stands for? No. no. People from away. Oh. <laughs> and so I'm a PFA now. <laughs> that's, you'll never be a PFA. I'm a PFA. No. From all right. Away. Well, I've you've, lost the momentum you've done on the your, poem. You've done that your quickly. Time. You've I lost was, momentum. All right. We're so I get was back. remembering. You probably want to know where my. It's occurring to me where the thing as a poet started, which we'll go back to. But I'm remembering that in our house on Spicer Hill Road, my father was such a good guy. Like he never swore. He rarely drank. He was the local attorney that who bartered with everybody. But the, the this 
was how bad he got. One year, one of his naughty friends gave him a book called Jokes for the John. Oh, boy. And he kept it. He kept it hidden downstairs in the guest bathroom. So this was really bad for my dad. I'm remembering I, I read this poem when I was about six. And I would like ran to my brother and sister like, did you know dad had this book? And so the poem, it's coming full circle, was... Here I sit, brokenhearted, tried to shit, but only farted. That's the one I was thinking <laughs> hey, of. Hey, that's perfect. Yeah, that's a good oh. one. Oh, I'm so glad. That's I could funny. Help My gentlemen. dad had a collection of books that I found when I was 13. They weren't poetry, though. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend in Sunday school who had one of those dads, too. But I think you we still use this, them in the John. We, yeah, they're still, <laughs> yes, they come in handy in the John. Well, the funny part was I didn't, uh, can I hijack your interview for Please two seconds? I'll, I'll make it quick. Uh, the funny part about it was that I didn't think, I thought my dad was the greatest, same situation as you. Sure. And then I was like 13 years old at the cusp of being told to need a babysitter. But, you know, they were like, eh, a couple more times. My parents went out for the night and the babysitter, this guy, Dave, great guy living in the, in the street or on my neighborhood. And he's like, hey, where's your dad keep the nudie books? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 you know my dad. You've met my father, right? He's a square. He doesn't have those things. And he looks at me, he goes, every father has those things. He goes, where's the closet? I'm like, it's up in their bed. He goes, okay. He opens their closet door in the bedroom, lifts up a pile of sweaters. There they are. Jeez. The whole library. I'm like, my my mind just went. Wow. And, and let me, you. this was a great babysitter, you said, right? The goes best, obviously. <laughs> my life changed completely. First thing you do is go through your parents' closet wow. to find yeah. porn mags. Yeah. I think you're going to well, take a know. lot of grief from like, um, <laughs> let's say like Sawyer Milstead when they find out you were still having a babysitter when you were 13. You know, I still need a babysitter. <laughs> I'm almost 50. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, yeah, not much has changed. Sometimes we've been known to babysit each other at midnight or yeah. 1 a.m. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. yeah. It, we we not, take turns. We've been reminiscing about the mm. great babysitters. Oh. Now, now this time with my brother and sister, Sherry Wilson was the best. She could do prank phone calls where the people on the other end of the phone would be crying. <laughs> like she would convince them oh. that she was a kid that got left at the movie theater. Oh. But this is my last dime. I'm in Groton at the UA. My parents said they'd pick me up and we'd be crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> did she actually get people to go drive to probably? I think huh? she did. Oh, yeah. How it cruel, was way beyond the brilliant. Prince oh, wow. Albert in a can. Yeah, Sherry Wilson was a pro. <laughs> All right, well, All right. why don't we, um, we, we like to start off, tell us a little bit about your, how did you, so now we know you're, you originated in, in the Ledger area. I did. When did you find Block Island? Family trip? Yep. On your own? Oh, yep. all right, so you yep. tell us. So I grew, I grew up in Ledger. I was born in Norwich, and uh, my parents' big, like, treat and celebration every year would be that we'd go to Block Island for a day or two, or if they were feeling really wealthy, you know, we'd go for a, a couple nights, and all three of us, meaning my brother and sister and I, have the strongest memories. You know, we remember uncanny things about that trip. And it's just so weird how you can lose eight years of information. You know, you want to have a memory from certain years or they're so clear. So one of the things we, we all remember seeing the movie Where the Lilies Bloom uh, at the Empire Theater, and it probably would have been about 1972. You know that retro movie? It's these kids growing uh, yeah. up in Virginia, and, the, and their parents die, and they, they're trying to pretend that the parents are still alive. So they, it's fantastic with folks like Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, it's what, love you know, Harry Dean. And, and 
but but we remember that so clearly. And so so we went out, you know, once a summer as kids. My, and it my Empire Theater movie that I remember was Jaws. Jaws for lots of people yep. it was Jaws. Yeah. 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 Um And we so, were talking before not to interrupt you, but but I am. Um we, we were talking <laughs> in and we we've had guests on and we've all seemed to c- concur that it's funny how those block Island years, those special times are easy to remember in detail. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, then there's a whole other year that was, you know, school or whatever. And yeah. you just, you know, it doesn't, somehow it has a way of emblazoning itself in, yeah. in yeah. your synapses. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you, you, so you guys would do these trips and what would yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. do when you came to the Island? Uh, mostly day trips. I remember my parents had a really fancy, I said they didn't drink, but my, you know, this was special occasion. And my dad had this portable martini kit. I remember that so <laughs> clearly with the shaker and the strainer and everything. And I remember, yeah. And wow. I remember one, no, I can't, I don't want to say this because it's going to slam a business that's still in business. So I'm not going to mention that at all. Fantastic family trips. I remember that one of the best memories is we stayed at the, we stayed at the spring house one summer when okay. it was old old spring house when your meals were part of it and you had assigned seating so would th- this have been when like doug mott owned it possibly, probably so i'm thinking when i yeah, think of the years probably. i'm thinking late 70s yeah, would so doug that, have owned it then? i believe so yeah i think, I think so. so yeah um somebody will let us know soon if we're yeah, wrong well no logan <laughs> has stories about being a child running around the spring yeah. house so i was yeah that's when it was. and there was a big formal i mean it was a wild wild place but when people talk about block island Back in the day, I think that was the tail end of back in the day. Yeah. Like they yeah. had a they had a shuttle that brought you over. I think they had a connection over where Champlin's was. There was a different restaurant there. Was it called like Pier Seventy Six yes. or something? Yep. And yep. I know we would take the bus from the Spring House to go over there for our dinner, and we'd have two choices. Sort of the way the Narragansett provided breakfast and dinner. Okay. So it was the tail end of that, right? Yeah, like the, the 70s, a lot of places you look were at, like that. You look yeah. at photographs of the 70s, which isn't so long ago. I discovered it in the 80s as a young adult. And the difference between 10 years, I think, was huge. Because yeah. pictures of the 70s, like the ferry parking lot is still in dirt. You know, there's pictures of Champ, yeah. you know, in his early 20s with the Shallers. And they're all, it's like classic 70s hippie stuff. They're yeah. all in cut-off jeans and bare feet. And the and the ferry parking lot is dirt. One know? of the one of the things we try and dial in or bring into focus on this podcast is everyone seems to have a different notion of the good old days. Or right. like when those days ended or began right. or when, you know, so right. that's interesting. So yeah. you're saying like that 70s era for you, that's you're like, those are the good old days. Like, Well, or, I, I think the old school block island. Right. But but to listen, you know, I listened to my great friend Dan Cahill's uh, interview yesterday. Isn't he great? He is so great. And I don't know if I, I, I mean, I'm glad that I'm wearing matching socks. I should have unmatched them, but it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to match Ruth Bader Ginsburg with anybody else. Oh my God! So, you have Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Socks. I do, and I told I promised my sister I wouldn't name drop, but I don't think it's name dropping if you've never met her. We're gonna make <laughs> you. Yeah, name we're gonna drop. make you do some name We're gonna dropping. make you name drop, um, whether you want so, to or not. Um, so I forget what I was saying. Oh, but so one of the things I noticed when Dan was talking yesterday was he was talking about when he moved to the island, which is just a few years before I really did. I think he was saying early 80s, like 1983. And he was talking about Block Island as kind of like this frontier. It was so different. There was nothing to do in the winter. And he's right. You know, when I think about my first few winters, and I'm not sure, Rich, if you were living. Oh, my first winter there was probably... 
87 or 88. That was, so was mine. In the 80s. Yeah. That was mine. Yeah. And yeah. and it was so interesting that we're I'm yeah. I'm a few years older than you, but we were the same age, but even then you hung with who you worked with. Yeah. yeah so the much. whole like, yeah. like Finns was its own plantation really. You know, people at Finns yep. really didn't need to leave the compound, but I remember and Dan will remember this. I remember a day, it was like Thanksgiving weekend. So there were a bunch of us around. We were young, we were day drinking like the beachhead was the old beachhead. I remember we had a football game in the middle of Cornneck Road in between the beachhead in McGovern's Don and Diane ran the country kitchen yeah and I mean we only had to get out of the road twice for cars like Thanksgiving as you know is a huge week you know so that's that's mid 80s you know late 80s so there was a huge yeah uh, you know a big change from it really being kind of like a final frontier in the winter you know yeah so you said 87 though was 87 was my first but did you come out and work summers before that 86 was my first summer i so what i would do after you know and how did you get out there so you went with on trips uh, day trips with your folks but then when was that point and i fell in love with it and i wanted i was i was a writer i was a young kid that was writing poems and i loved the island it was like my soul place you know when you you have that first like (gasps) you know i would long for it you know, and I would think about it all year long. And so when I was a teenager, um, I always worked in the summer, but my, you know, like my gift to myself in August, which is when my birthday is, I was, I would always give myself a day trip out there. So I'd get the bike in the car and I'd go to probably from New London. I'm sure from New London, take the, take the boat out, ride my bike. I had a backpack and a notebook and, and I would be on the Island just like, like so many people that age, d- just dream of living there. Just like this is the in. most beautiful place I've yeah. ever been. I could live this way, and and it it burned in me. So I mean, within a year or two, I kind of made that happen. I I went out the summer after my freshman year in college. Right after we got out of school, I uh, with a roommate. Where'd was, you go to school? UConn. Okay. Um, UConn, a year at Hunter College, five years. Um, I took five years at the University of Block Island in between my, <laughs> in between the third year and first semester. The and nice the, thing about- And graduating, I took five years off. They have and the best professors out there. They have the <laughs> best, but Dan Cahill, you know, really. Amazing. Um, I do remember that Ed McGovern uh, stepped in as my truant officer because the, uh. I, so I had my first, okay, let me, let me backtrack. But, um, I, I, so I went out, I went out the summer after my freshman year in college did the whole thing, drank underage at the National, listening to those songs that you love, yep. Take It Easy, yeah, you yeah. know, Margaritaville, <laughs> and James Taylor. Yacht oh, Rock and he sings, James, he sings that song about Suzanne. Everybody feels like me. And um, I love how much better they got at singing as each beer I drank. You know, like by my seventh beer, they sounded amazing. Yeah. Oh, Rich, you know, yeah. has that gone away? No. No, that's <laughs> no. a rule. That's, that's still a, a rule. pretty much standard. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, as do I get so much more attractive. This wasn't beer related. It's just the power of the performance. You know this, Mark. But I remember my sister and I. Thank God, we got we had the privilege of seeing Neil Diamond live about three years ago, kind of right before he retired. But in all the concerts that I've gone to, we've never seen Neil, and we're so stoked. Like we're playing him all the songs I sang with my dad and everything. And my sister and I both decided though 
because it's hard to pick like your three favorite Neil Diamond tunes. We both decided like he better not sing Forever in Blue Jeans. You know, like it just doesn't do it for me. It's so not you. You're embarrassed, you know. And sure enough, we're like two thirds of the way through the concert and he puts out forever in blue jeans and Allison and I were like, you know, showing each other our blue jeans and doing the whole money to, so you can get swept away by performers. Oh, yeah. For sure. Andy totally. Scott killed me for years. Yeah, he was a regular on National Porch. Does right? Andy still make the rounds? I haven't seen him in years. No, I'm no. not. No. Well, nope. I, I remember being him. with a bunch of wild Block Island women. Imagine that on the way no. to the concert, like on our way to see Bonnie Raitt at Great Woods <laughs> or something. And we're all in the hotel, probably with Gail Hall. So maybe there was yeah. a limousine involved. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and we're all like drunk and ready to pile onto the elevator and it opens and there's Andy Scott. <laughs> none, of them, none of us have seen him in like 15 years and we're all like and Gail just goes no. <laughs> it was great. Has Gail been on your show? Not, not yet. yet. I've talked to her. Okay. She's hesitant. She's, well, don't worry. She's not very interesting. No, I and know. And she's not funny yeah. However, yeah. They, they did call and she's allowed back at the Biltmore now in Providence. <laughs> <laughs> God well, you know what? They will just pick on Gail every episode until she comes on the show. That's a great yeah. idea. We'll, we'll force yeah. Well, I can tell you that she dropped out of book group. Oh, oh. yeah. She was going to be in. Spicy. She was all for it. By the way, this is my first book group, and it's not too late to be in it because it starts on Monday night, and it's a very easy read. And there's not a quiz. We're reading Slapstick by Kurt Vonnegut, which all goes back to my story of getting to Block Island. All right. All right. Anyway, long story short. Um, Please don't. Um, so it called out to me. Went after my freshman year in college, did the whole day trip with my friend Mary. And I was like, that's it. We're staying, you know. And we went, like, we stopped at the first place we could. It was early May. It was before more Memorial Day when you see everybody coming out yeah. to get yep. their jobs. Yeah. And we got hired and we got housed. So Where? we w- got hired by Ann Lodi. I I believe she was at the Blue Dory all those years ago. I know Ann's had several businesses and yep. some of yeah, them she doesn't I... have anymore. Blue Dory might have been her first, but I remember we got offered jobs as chambermaids and she had housing and the housing we were going to be put up at the Eureka. And my mom put the kibosh on the whole thing. My mom put a, <laughs> called a couple of her friends. And I was know like, what happens you, at the Eureka. If, if, or on Block Island. Like, oh, you're not oh. going there for the, you know. Oh, it was Block she, Island in general. She was like, well, no she, way. Yeah, I think she called a couple of friends who let her know it was a real party scene. So it was nixed. And so I regret it. How, how old that, are you well, at this point? I'm 18. It. Oh, it's a tough age. Wow. And, I know. Right. Can't quite right. revolt yet. Right. So I can no. be scooping ice cream at BB Dairy in downtown Mystic and serving pizza at Spiro's Great Oak Pizza. I love both of those places. <laughs> and I think Billy Schaffner first taught me how to scoop. You know, you do like a good one and a half scoops. Did, so did it you looks build up like a scooper two. muscle? I might have. Yeah. I might have. The, the, the heavy duty ice yeah. cream scoopers, they get this. The, these jacked four arms. Yeah. Scoop, only on uh, one, though. Yeah, yeah. They look yeah. like professional like arm Popeye. Wrestlers. Like one arm looks yeah. like Popeye. Right. You suppose I could sue them? Possibly. Right. Class I, action. From what I get see enough going ice on cream in this world, together. Yeah. 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 You, know. you can sue anybody for anything. Christine these days. McCarthy might be in it. I'm with me. She got me the job. <laughs> you got good tips at breakfast, but I, I can't stand. So Catch how did you circumnavigate eggs. your so, parents' authority and actually? Well, my dad wasn't around anymore, you know. So it was just my mom raising three kids. My my dad didn't ditch us. He 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 died. Okay. So um, and my you know at any rate, 
I go back to school. I have that summer and it was like I should have been on Block Island. I And everywhere I went, like I'd be in the dentist office and I'd see a poster on the wall and I'd ask the receptionist, like, where's that picture of? It's Block Island. You know, the, the sunset picture that went from dorm room to dorm room. Yeah, was, yeah. I just wanted to be there. So the next summer, we were supposed to be studying for um, midterm exams and my college roommate, her name was Melissa Jessick, um, she went to start our political science exam and I had brought a phone back phone. I'd gotten somehow a copy of a phone book with block Island phone numbers. And I stayed in the room and called people till they answered because in, in early May, nobody is. And the third phone, the third phone that I dialed, somebody answered. And I was like, you're there. And this is, this is, um, 1986, seven. No. Oh, yeah, it was 86. It was 86. And um, and so we not, I don't think we even had a phone in our dorm room. Like it was a phone in like the down hallway. The hall, yeah. yeah. And this lady answers and she's like, yeah, I'm hiring. And, and I, I'm just like, You're like, we'll take it. Great. <laughs> you know, can someone go get Melissa and Poli Sci 121? Because we got a job. <laughs> tell her I've already packed That's her right. bag. We're and, going. And tell her I'll write her essays. So, and don't um, tell my mom. <laughs> and so, so at any rate, this woman, she asks a couple questions. I lie about my waitress experiencing. And then she tells me, uh, that she's from Groton, Connecticut. And, um, and, and I was like, wow, I'm from Ledger. And she said, what's your name? And I told her, and my, my maiden name is Silverberg. And she said, you're not related to Oren Silverberg, are you? And I said, yeah, he was my father. And she said, Oren Silverberg was my attorney. He saved me so many times. And this you're- is Anne. No, this wasn't Anne. Oh, Anne okay. hired me the first summer, and my mother wouldn't let me take the job. Oh, so oh, that never so happened. That never happened. Okay, okay, so okay, the, okay. So I regretted it the whole year, and I was like, I'm not going to let it happen. I'm going to Block Island this summer. And then I called. The woman's name is um, Diana Winkler. I think she's still around in the area. She ran a, a restaurant that my parents loved. It might have been called, like, the Prime Steer. It was a big roast beef place down on like 184 route 12 but she knew my dad and she hired me on the spot over the phone and i raced into the poli sci exam and told melissa we just got jobs i think we got a's on the exam and three days later we were um we were on the boat with her mother my mother refused to help uh, in any way and i got the whole fine you go have a good summer and i will never speak to you again and um which became sort of a habit for us you're not alone when i told my parents i was going to block island for my first summer i did not speak with my father for the next six months six months it was the only falling out i ever had with my dad my entire life and it took six months they was that but then you know in my moment of you know uh what i uh, um what's the word god i wish i were you right now with the words um catharsis i Uh guess it was many years later when i had taken over proprietorship and nicks and my folks were out and we sat at the front bar we're waiting for my mom and my sister to show up having a having a beer together with my dad and he's looking around he goes oh yeah he goes yeah i did a nice place job with this place i said thanks i took a sip of my beer i go so you think i still should have been a school teacher 
And he's like, all right, all right. I like got him to admit I was right. Well, see, now you and I have had this discussion several times, Mark. It hasn't come up I yet. I have a habit no, of telling no, no, the no, same no. stories no, over No, uh, we've had a different part of the conversation, and it hasn't come up yet, but you haven't mentioned that I've been giving you advice, young man, for a good 20 years of your adult life. And I might have told you on several occasions that you should have stuck with it and become a, a music teacher. Yeah, right. you, I think so. <laughs> that was a lot of look. Let's over the you years. have, and let me <laughs> let me just say this: some of your advice is better than others. Yeah, the advice that would come after about one twenty in the morning, I would say we sort of leave someplace and never yeah. talk about. Oh, again, that's right? my favorite. Right. That's my favorite advice. <laughs> and, and, it's actually the only advice I follow. Did Mark and, ever and, tell you the story, oh Rich? Boy. That I'm not going to go into the particular advice that I gave him, but I do know he was closing the bar and. Really hence, hence patiently the 120. trying yeah. to get yeah. me out of there. And I'm a good friend, never mind his elder. So he's got to be polite and all this stuff. And I'm telling him really what I think about his choices and what he needs to change yeah. about his life. Yep. And had absolutely <laughs> no recollection of it. Until about a week later when I was driving by Nick's and Mark is like loading up the truck for the dump and I went to wave at him and just went like, oh, oh, my. oh my God. And Mark just gave me like the biggest wave. Like, well, you know, like it's, it's okay. Well, you know, it's oh, funny. I is love that, the flashback. And the odd part is that you're the only person that's ever done that to me at Nick's. Giving, trying you, to tell giving me, you advice? Yeah, tried to tell me how I should do things That's there. incredible. Yeah, the only person. No one has ever done that before. Really? Or since. Oh no, really? it happens like five times a fucking minute. People? Like, oh, oh, oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> like, like, everybody in the brother has. You know, oh, oh you know what you should do? Well, you know now you that do? we're on no. that topic, can I give you guys some advice for the show? Please. Sure. Okay. All right. I've just noticed this, and I haven't listened to all your shows, but I want to say I think it is just a tiny bit, not a lot. But it's a little bit awkward when you guys say, and we are two guys, two guys on... from Block Island. Really? I think I think it... you both, you can sense that you're waiting to say it a little bit different. And I mean, have you talked to Rourke Lodi? He might be able to coach you through it. I, I, I was thinking I've... a couple guys from Block Island. Maybe it's a rhythmic thing. I don't know. Try it right now. I kind of. Uh, I'm Rich and I'm Mark I'm, and we are. Let's I, hear it. I'm Mark and I'm Rich and we're just a we're couple just of a guys couple of from dudes Black, that like to uh, hang out. Yeah. No, an, try it as is. Try the two guys from Black <laughs> Island. I want to see you do it again because you didn't do it this morning in front of me. I wanted to see. Yeah, we I'm, did. Uh, did you I'm miss Rich that part? I did. Oh, well, I think. Let's do it I again. Think I was, just, right, let's I was do it. Okay, ready? Let's Go ahead. Let's just make her happy. Go ahead. Oh, you did. I did see it. I had to put it out of my mind. I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, two guys, guys on Block Island. Island. Oh, I like it now. I kind of think it. I kind of <laughs> feel it's a bit. Um, I've, I kind of feel like it's a bit it's hokey, certainly but, contrived I like it, hokey. but I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. It's becoming yeah. like, yeah, it's like that, uh, you know, the uncle that always gets invited to the holidays, but you don't really, it's like, yeah, he's always tells the same corny <laughs> joke, but now he's, now you can't. But if he doesn't he, show up, if you he doesn't miss show him. up, you miss that yeah. corny joke yeah. that he always tells. Uh, That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, anyway, two guys. We're just two guys from the black guys. That's right. Two wild and crazy guys. So that's what's missing. It's right. it, but you know what it is. It's not missing. Now that I'm with you and I see you guys, it's implied. You know what? I'll it's do all implied. You are the it. missing element. The Slavic, mm -hmm. the total Yorgay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. All right. I'm sure. Oh, I'll no come apologies. Up, I'll no, come please. up with some more advice before there's, we're over. There's no sorries in podcasting. That's right. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, yeah you can say whatever what? you Otherwise, want. Otherwise, I'd waste half the podcast. That's the podcast. I know, for everything. Can I use that in a poem? Sure. All right. Yeah. I wish you would. There's no sorries in podcasting. So I, I may love have gotten, where this is going. I may have gotten a little sidetracked. No, but I might have missed something. <laughs> so you made this phone call. This woman hired you, and you referenced a prime steakhouse here. But what was your job on Block Island? Yeah. Oh, so my first job on Block Island was waitressing for her at Dead Eye Dicks. Dead Eye Dicks. Oh, Dead Eye. Okay. And I lived there. And and Melissa did. And my mom wouldn't drive. And our first cab driver was OJ. Oh, wow. I remember the vehicle. I remember the conversation. I remember the whole ferry ride. It's all, it's kind of like in my first notebook. Did you end up living above? Above. I had, I had six roommates. There were seven of us in one room. Same. There were about, um, maybe 43 employees living above dead eyes. And, and Diana Winkler, bless her, was all for the, um, I don't even know if you can say prison reform anymore. Is that still, um, Politically, is that know. politically? Who cares? At any rate, How do they know when liked, we record this? She liked to, <laughs> she liked to hire people fresh out of prison. Yeah, so it's Excellent. like girls from Hartwick College in Princeton and down the hall in Butch you know, from Cell Block B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the guy like just throwing knives into the only s- misdemeanors though, no yeah. felonies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know. Yep. Who yeah. else? Who else did you work with uh, that first summer in the crew? Like, I don't that's know that the, any of them are still around, but yeah. Melissa, who was my college roommate, whose name is Melissa Guarnieri now, um, Carl Eric Wallen, you know the oh, attorney, yeah. Yep, yeah, who yeah. later became a roommate. We were like we stayed. We we like yep. we we stayed. Um, I don't know if you know a guy named Jim Boyd. He left. He was one of Eric's uh, college roommates, and he now runs. I think. I think the New York Club in Newport. He stayed in the restaurant business. Okay. Um, God bless him. Huh. Who else? Um, Dave Aldrich yep. was the manager the year before. So okay. Diana Winkler took Dead Eyes over and was very controversial because she took out all the Block Island, the, um, the who was it? Stubbs? Billy, Billy Stubbs. Stubbs. Took out the Billy Stubbs. The piano. And she put yeah. in huge, those velvet paintings of clowns. I don't know if you ever heard of that era, but for two not. years, the Billy Stubbs bar, or whatever yeah. it's called, was called the Clowns Lounge. Oh, boy. And it was all those oh. clowns, you know, the one that looks like he's crying? Yeah, Harlequins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was the Clowns Lounge, and I worked for her for a couple of years. And it was so, and I was so in love with Block Island, yeah, so in love with it that I, I really almost couldn't sleep. So we had that. Um, it, it, the room is still there. They now have a fire escape up to it, as they should have with the forty three of us, including oh, yeah. probably three or four convicted felons. <laughs> you know, details. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'd like go to see somebody's tattoo and it's actually been etched in with a knife. You yeah. know? <laughs> that was Kurt, the dishwasher. Boy, you, well, God, I'm jumping all over the they're, place. They're which asked, rarely they're in the kitchen, they're like, got to use the bathroom, boss. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but we you were, don't have you know, to tell me every like time. Some of the girls, I was a Yukon girl, but some of these girls were like total private school elite kids you know that don't need a summer job they yeah. just want to be in daddy's house yeah. for the summer yeah. and they're they're like their parents would want to come have lunch at the restaurant and i just remember this one girl meredith like begging the dishwasher not to bring the silverware out into yeah. the kitchen while she was dining <laughs> with her with her parents or they that's were just gonna a, yank her that's such you know? a meredith thing <laughs> to do she's gonna get the she's gonna get the hook that's yeah. it you're going back yeah. to white plains mm-hmm. young lady yeah um so anyway that was the first summer and i loved you it. should have gone up to the table and said hey did you see meredith's new boyfriend and, come out and, carrying and, the 
silverware. <laughs> He's right. a really nice guy. Isn't she an open-minded young Would lady? Would you like a tour of cell block? Right. I mean, the kitchen. Yeah. Right. That's to great. To think she started the summer with Carson. If only I hadn't gone to the vineyard this summer <laughs> to sail. But um, so, what'd you do after Dead Eyes? So I loved it so much that I wanted to stay, and I and I, so we had that room, and I could actually it was flat enough that I could sleep on the roof, which I often did because we'd be up till three or four beach parties and all that, looking at the stars. I mean, you do fall in love with the natural the world. Stars. It's a party scene, but you're partying yeah. on the beach. You're swimming. You're up early because you got to go to your breakfast job. It's a, it's, it was such a wild, fantastic, and in many ways, healthy, healthy way to spend those early 20s. You know, because yeah. I think most people, well, at any rate, let's not well, you, and fell you... in love with it, was going to stay. Filling notebooks, staying up all night on the on that roof of Dead Eyes writing poems. And we've talked often about how that work environment, or I have, I think, um, you know, it, it is a great learning environment to be living and working with everybody from the private school fancy girl to the ex you yeah. know yeah. did yeah. six months for a, yeah. for an assault yeah. yeah and you know what and you all get along and like you said i think earlier you form that base camp yeah. you know and yeah. it's the it's the family that's like a restaurant not. thing you it know? is a re- that's time. what i mean yeah. yeah but more so where you have to live with them yeah because i know that restaurant thing exists everywhere so kudos to all of you restaurant people but when you have to live eat and sleep with the same people that you work with you know that it's it really a whole nother level you into, I think it teaches us how to get along with different kinds of people, yeah. you know, for the most part or kill one of them. Yeah. yeah. Which is also an option. Right. A mm-hmm. lot of times. Right. As long as there's a majority, you vote. go from dead eyes to where, Lisa? Well, it's and what's hard your evolution? To, because we're like 45 minutes in and I still <laughs> haven't spent my first summer yet. You know, um, it's all, all right. right, let's go really fast. So I loved it. I didn't want to go back to school. I wanted to stay there and to write. But I had applied for a program in New York City that was very competitive. And I really couldn't back out. It was this... um, And you got it. it, I got it. And they only took about 35 kids from around the country. So I I was an overachiever. I was past the whole, I'm going to work i like i was interning in washington dc when i was 15 and 16 i did all that like intern for lowell weicker i was this total overachiever i was also a writer so and i wanted to be successful so i was thinking i wanted to write for television so i applied for this program at this is too long anyway it was a program at hunter college in new york i didn't think i could back out of it it was an amazing program it was really affordable and i got to spend a year in new york city attempting to write for television television. So I did it, even though my heart was on Block Island, and it totally backfired. Because instead of being like, oh, this is great, too. It was like, the city is rat infested, and everyone's a paranoid schizophrenic (laughs) and needs money. And nobody looks at each other. And it's a rat race. And people are dying in these buildings, and no one makes eye contact. And so I kept going back to Block Island for long weekends, which became so long, this does come full circle. This is when Ed McGovern finally stepped in as my my truant officer um, because I went to Block Island for a weekend and here I am at Hunter College and I stayed for something like 18 days. Oh, so like the first week weekend. I told like my professors in New York City that the boats didn't run or something and then I got somebody to sign a letter saying I was doing a project for the newspaper and probably it was all true but I really did have to go back to school. So I remember at about four in the morning one night you know uh, playing pool with Ed McGovern. He was like and you're going back to school. And I, he was first warden. And one of the other 
titles, one of the many responsibilities that the first warden carries, they are the truant officer on Black <laughs> Island. So Ed exercised his power um, at about four in the morning. And about a week later, I went back to Hunter. I'd missed about three weeks. But I did. I got a 4-0. And I wrote lots of people's papers for them. Um, I, I won't say I got the most out was of my like internship. that like your sideline job, writing papers for people? It was. Yeah. It was. Talk to Carrie McAloon about that. <laughs> It was quite an income. I, I bet. I got, yeah, I got paid back in the day like 50 bucks a paper. Wow. I That's shouldn't a lot have mentioned Carrie because she went to a very prestigious school. Carrie, if, if you, when you're listening, um, let's, let's say it was your sister Shannon. There you go. Let's say mm, I wrote papers yeah. for Shannon McAloon. Perfect. Who might have been the only McAloon I didn't write papers for. Um, <laughs> but I was working for <laughs> Meredith. I had some great folks that I worked with. A lot of the, like, um, the outlaws. You know, I work for them. Like Meredith McAloon yeah. Sr. is an outlaw. Yeah. yeah. You know her? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you got to, if you know Meredith, you know, like yeah. it didn't surprise me at all that like Marty Hemingway, Marty yeah. Lysick, yep. one of my great friends of all times, um, that of course she and Meredith were tight. You know, yeah. I was like, you know that I've had like this secret friendship with Meredith McAloon for like 20 years, you know, where I would just go hide at Meredith's house for a week or Meredith would come hide at the, at the, <laughs> at the, at the, at the Hygia. Yeah. Like nobody could find her at the Hygia. She could be in full view. Mer- old Mer- older Meredith McAloon, who is such a recluse. You know, she choose she would choose her times and her places to be public. But the hygia, she could she would do breakfast for me, chat with everybody, and nobody had any idea who she was. <laughs> you ran out of decaf, Lise, so I made more for the guests. And yeah, anonymity is a very sought after commodity on Block Island. Well, that's why I'm so loving O two eight nine one. I remember they were doing somebody with one of the newspapers. It might have been Kevin Weaver's alternative newspaper. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the they Island came crier. by one day, and of course, I was so ready to leave Block Island. We were running the inn by now. We were so public, you know, and and I remember... Let's back it up, though, so our listeners know what we're talking about when you say oh, running the Oh, I just skipped end. 37 years, yeah. So I have this job at Dead Eye Dicks. I don't want to leave it. I go to school. I hate it. I have that bell jar year. For anyone who's read The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, I got depressed. I gained about 50 pounds. I like I when I was I didn't have any like New York experiences because all I wanted to do was be back on the island. Mm. And when school ended, I think I skipped like the last two weeks of school, handed in my papers early. I went back to the island and I knew I wasn't leaving. Yep. So that is when I that's really essentially when I stayed, you know, May of 1987. And that was it. Yeah. For for nearly 30 years. So I went back to school. I mean, I did drop out. I needed three classes to go and none of it mattered. I needed to write these books. One of the things um, that I do want to mention, I, I want to mention um, the, the Hygia where I, Champ and I ended up buying that place um, in 1998. In 1986, which was my first summer at Dead Eyes, the Hygia had already been abandoned for, I think, a good 10 years, but it had been in disarray for 20 prior to that. So the Hygia was, the, the, do you remember that, Mark? I'm not sure when you so started. So when I showed up, the Hygia, which is located across from the police station, right. fire department, was in the state that it was when you purchased yep. it. So, so boarded I did get up, to see abandoned, yeah, abandoned uh, dilapidated. rat and bird infested, yeah. and it was abandoned. It was a haunted, looked like yeah, a haunted house. And it is haunted. Uh, yes. And, and um, so charged, I like to say it's charged. charged. Oh, um, isn't that great? Yeah. Um, but it surely is, and that's a whole different thing, the ghost stuff that's happened yeah. in the Hygieia. But, um, but 
I would look up at that building and I would tell my all my coworkers like that's I'm going to live there one day. You knew it. And because you know I'm I am a really good social being. I'm very good at being with people, but I'm also I'm so self-absorbed and preoccupied. You're an artist. I love being alone. So that would be the place that I would disappear to, to get away from the 42 other people when I really needed to write or really needed some quiet. Did you go inside? No, I never went in, though so many people did, but I preferred the shack out back, the the bungalow. Yeah. And um, so... The thing was, it was not only abandoned, but it was, you know, it was so neglected that the grass was about three feet high. So where the bungalow was out back, the little shack, which is now the the house that Champ and my children live in, right. the you I could there was a back step on the shack, and I could sit on that step, and the grass just blew, and I could see the whole harbor, and nobody could see me. Wow. I mean, I could sit there for hours and see who drove by eight times. You still can. And and nobody could see me. Like, I could see Dan Cahill in the van with the numbers on it. And that would be my spot. <laughs> the and countdown going, numbers. Having, yeah. the whole, having the whole, those memories and how they shape you. I told you guys that we saw that movie Where the Lilies Bloom on Block Island when I was probably about six years old. And I just remember it. It, it, it was like a visceral response in me, a spiritual experience. And the kids, as I said in the movie, their their parents had died. And how they made money was they grew herbs on a wild hillside. And they gathered the herbs and they would sell them to local people. And That's I, how I made money in college, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and um, I, I'm not going to take that any further, Rich. I've and, smoked um, some of those herbs. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I would tell my co- my college roommate, Melissa, my great friend to this day, because she had seen the movie, but probably at the UA Theater where Sherry Wilson was left as a teenage <laughs> babysitter. Still waiting um, for that pickup. Friends, still waiting for mommy and daddy. Well, if she would say, if it's not you, could you call my mother and father? She was so good. At any rate, that hilltop reminded me of the hilltop and where the lilies bloom. And I would tell Melissa, if they need me to fill in for a shift, I'll be up where the lilies bloom. And I would go up there for the afternoon and I would write poems. I'm picturing like an Andrew Wyeth, Christina's World situation. Well, I think of that hilltop a lot as, as, you know, with that dilapidated field, I would sometimes... In a very hilarious drunk moment, play Christina. Would you turn? You, well, try. You, you try recl- walking up that hill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just so easier I, to lay I there. I turn it into yeah. some sort of what's that performance art? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not drunk. I'm Christina. <laughs> I feel like your life is one giant uh, instance of performance art. To it be it might be, but I don't think. I, I who did the scream? It's more the scream monk. than Andrew Wyatt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A mixture, a nice mixture. So. That was my spot to write poems, you know, in a in in a world that is very serious, the world where those things that matter to you are all connected. When Champ and I got in the process of trying to buy the Hygieia, which is an entirely different story, how the woman who inherited it didn't have interest in it, uh, uh, inherited a- it and basically locked the door and walked away. She had no interest. She married. She didn't marry him. She she didn't she didn't like the Champlin family enough to marry this guy uh, Carter Champlin, who was her lifetime companion. I was going to say. So there's a. Is there a relation yeah, there to, yeah. to Champ? So, so Champ's great-grandfather was was John C. Champlin, and he was the island physician. He was also a brilliant hotelier, and he owned the Hygieia. That was his spot. So now, 
what this is maybe you can clarify for me because I don't have uh, the hygia that we know on Block Island right now. That's yeah. the way it is because of you guys. Was that the hotel or was there also there was a big hotel there was across a bigger the street, hotel and the hygia that is still called the hygia house was the annex was that the was annex. called the hygia annex. So the hygia okay. hotel and I'm sure you can go in there and speak to Matt O'Hare who is the current owner but go to the historical society too to see okay. the, the big hotel was it had like a maybe like 140 rooms. Oh, wow. It stretched across the whole hilltop, and it basically went up in flames overnight. And it, what's so cool, one of, the, one of the coolest things, we found many, many cool things in the building, as you might imagine, but there were brochures from, I think, 1913. I could be wrong about that, but there's copies of those available. And that was the year that the, it was the first year after the big hotel had burned down that he went down to basically using the, the annex, which housed his medical practice and his family became the hotel and he had 15 rooms. So he went from having 145. I mean, there's pictures of it, Mark, with the big where, um, like where the ambulance pull in now, that was like a gravel circular where the carriages would pull in with the horses to drop people. The trees that drop those big yellow, the Osa- yeah, the what, Osage, what or- oh, yeah, the Osage, those are Osage orange trees. Those are Osage orange trees line the property. So yeah. like by the power company, that's where it started, I think, and it went. Yep, that was okay. the first time I ever saw one of those. Yep, and I was uh, walking back from New Harbor late one night, and uh, in an in altered state, and uh, I saw one of those, and yep. I picked it up, and I didn't know what it was, yep. and I. Thought and then I broke it open and I literally thought something came down from outer space. Yeah, because they look like brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy stuff. They're quite convers. They're a real conversation piece for sure. I can't tell you how many times I answered that question. What is that tree? Ah. Yeah. You want to know what else running it in? When are we? Um, you know how many people would come to Continental Breakfast about maybe like an hour and ten minutes early. And and that particular type of guest, I'm saying that 8.7 out of 10 of them come into breakfast past the signs that say breakfast is from 8 to 10, please respect our hours, and say, guess it's just another day in paradise. Oh, it's God. a very, oh, yeah. very original, mm-hmm. very, very original way to disturb your innkeeper who's enjoying the one hour yep. <laughs> without 25 people in her face that she'll have all day by saying it's just another day in paradise. Yeah, can't, can't make that call till I see how you leave your room. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Here's another thing. A little early say. for that judgment. And if I ever write my novel, and I'm too lazy to write the novel, but one chapter will be titled, um, this is, let me get it right. Any coffee for the early birds? Oh, oh. <laughs> you bet. For the early birds, oh. I like to steam milk. I, you know, and I've got some hard-boiled eggs, and I took the yolks out of them. I, you know, we do all that just for the early birds. <laughs> My God, I love those people. Uh. All right, so we're going to take a quick break and check in with our sponsors. Then we'll be right back with more uh, conversation with Lisa Starr. <laughs> 
All right, here's a great activity you don't want to miss on your next visit to Block On. Exploring the Great Salt Pond in a kayak from Fort Island Kayaks. The Great Salt Pond is one of Block Island's true gems, and I would say one of the most beautiful harbors in all of New England. Now, I know I said kayak, but Fort Island Kayaks has stand-up paddle boards, Hobie pedal boards, as well as kayaks in all different sizes. I'm pretty sure they've even added the triple-seater and a peekaboo glass-bottom kayak. You can rent by the hour, half-day, full-day, or even an entire week. Explore the hidden coves of the pristine inner ponds. Find your own little spot to take a dip or soak up some sun. There's spectacular scenery around every bend, and you will get some views of the island that you really can't see any other way. Whether you're flying solo or with the whole family, make sure this is one on your to-do list. Oh yeah, here's a tip. If your group is six or more, you definitely want to reserve in advance. Fort Island Kayaks is operated by our friends over at Block Island Fishworks and is located right next door. For rates, availability, and reservations, visit their website at bifishworks.com or give them a call at 401-466-5392. So, Mark, I wonder if that glass bottom kayak, you could find maybe Captain Kidd's treasure or something. Ooh, that's exciting, right? You could uh, turn your afternoon into a treasure hunt. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Those pedal boards look really cool, too. A bicycle on the water. What will they think of next? Ugh, modern science. Yellow Kittens Tavern began as a Prohibition-era speakeasy, and the fun has not stopped since. Kittens is the perfect post-beach stopover. In fact, it's so close you can walk straight there from your beach chair. With a shaded deck offering breathtaking views of Crescent Beach, Los Gatitos Mexican Restaurant at the Kittens is famous for fresh Tex-Mex, amazing nachos, margaritas, and the iconic Block Island frozen mudslide. Would you rather eat on the beach? Place your takeout order online at yellowkittens.com or by calling 401-466-5855. Open for lunch at 11.30 until 7.30. In season, the deck fun continues until 9.30 with live entertainment and small plates available. At night, the Yellow Kittens Tavern is the spot to listen to great live music, gather with friends, and socialize. For info on live music and the infamous Wednesday night DJ dance party, visit yellowkittens.com. Block Island's longest-running night spot and favorite Mexican restaurant, Yellow Kittens Tavern, located just past the Four Corners on Corneck Road. I love hanging out on the deck at Yellow Kittens in the afternoon. The frozen margaritas there are amazing. I don't know what they do. They're, they have the machine there, right? But they're great. Uh, you know, that sounds awesome, but nights are fun too, you know? When they've got the live band playing and you're drinking and having fun with your friends. I mean, that place, one word, rockin'. Marmar Jewels and Blockstar are a true mom and pop operation. Martha and Dominic, the dynamic husband and wife duo's hip little boutique, is located just past the statue of Rebecca across in the post office. Martha and Marmar Jewels represents the work of over 50 rotating independent jewelry artists every season with handmade jewelry and accessories focusing on one of a kind works from local and regional artists. Whether you're looking for alternative wedding engagement options, gifts and accessories for your bridal party, or some hair feathers, Marmar's gotcha. Permanent jewelry workshops, visiting artist trunk shows, and private shopping are all but some of Marmar's offerings. Blockstar is the official, unofficial Block Island brand. You've seen the stickers everywhere, and we mean everywhere. In 2004, Dominic launched Blockstar, Truegrass Root Styles, right out of the trunk of his car. It would go on to become one of the most recognizable Block Island icons ever. But you don't have to buy your Blockstar t-shirts, hats, and hoodies out of the trunk of a car anymore. Visit Marmar Jewels between Memorial Day and Columbus Day weekends, or order anytime online at Marmar boutique.com you know i do love marmar's work and the fact that she brings in all these other artists it just makes it such a collection to look over and, and buy some neat stuff yeah it's a really cool store and dominic's Blockstar brand is everywhere 
While the Atlantic Inn is far from hidden, it is most certainly one of the gems. Perched at the top of High Street, the Atlantic Inn offers stunning views of Old Harbor, Crescent Beach, and all the way back to the mainland, or America, as we like to call it. But views aren't the only thing that make this gorgeously maintained Victorian beauty one of Block Island's must-see destinations. Well-appointed yet cozy rooms offer guests all of the relaxation they need after a hard day at the beach. Innkeepers Brad and Ann Marthens are the quintessential hosts, and they love sharing their expansive knowledge of food and great wine with their guests. The restaurant at the Atlantic serves exquisitely crafted gourmet fare. Their thoroughly curated wine list offers varietals and vintages that will pair beautifully with whatever you're dining on. Perhaps the greatest thing about the Atlantic Inn is their incredible tapas and cocktails menu offered outside on the deck and front lawn. Kick back in an Adirondack chair, take in the view, and breathe a sigh of relief. You can can tell your friends that you finally found it. The Atlantic Inn, a Block Island gem hidden in plain sight. For more information, please visit AtlanticInn.com. Rich, you know, there is no better place to just chill out and watch the sunset than the Atlantic. You sit out there in the Adirondacks and have a little drink brought to you. And, you know, the view is spectacular and the staff is just great. All right, so we're back uh, in the middle of a great episode, a great conversation with Lisa Starr. So, uh, Lisa, we've heard you talking about the inn a lot. Um, so, how did the how did this inn come to be, the Hygieia? How did you how did you get there? Um, I think I told you about how I would disappear and write up there. Yeah, right? we talked about yeah. that. Okay, you had so your own little years, world, not years later, because it all happened really fast. Isn't that funny? Oh Those yeah, early years, like so much happened in three years of my life, and I really. Besides going to yoga once or twice, I can't really tell you anything I've done in the last five years. You know? <laughs> well, um, I think they go fast. Anyway, it is a really pretty cool story. I, I met Champ. Uh, he'd come back to the island after being away for many years, like 10 years or something. He was married, had a daughter, and he'd come back to build a house. Long story short is we started dating one winter after he just moved back. It, it, I'd only been there a couple years, and... He was a merchant marine who sailed tankers around the world. So he'd be home for a couple of months, then away for a few months. And the on our on his last day before he went back to sea, he wanted me to show him my favorite place on the island since I sort of believed I owned all of Block Island by then. <laughs> Wait, um, you didn't? Yeah, since, that's well, the because I loved feeling. it more than anybody else, you yeah. know, and I was writing these poems <laughs> that were so meaningful. So surely it was my island. And, you know, with a name like Champlin, you know, those guys have only been around for a minute or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. B- building their McChamplin yeah. mansions, McChampions. <laughs> um, so, so at any rate, <laughs> I meet him. He wants to see my favorite place and I bring him to the little shack behind the hygiene which is where I would write my poems. So we we talk, we have a beer, he goes back to sea, comes back four months later, we have a great summer, it's time for him to go back to sea again. We take that final island cruise, listening to music, and he says, now I'm going to bring you somewhere. And we we go all the way around, and then we stop at the Hygieia, and we pull into the Hygieia, and we drive him back to the little shack. And he said, you know this place that you love so much, and you were envisioning, like, the grandchildren up there, head to toe? And and I said, yeah. And he said, well, I was one of those grandchildren. He said, um, the Hygieia belonged to my great-grandfather, John Champlin, and this cottage, this shack, which we call the bungalow, was my grandmother's honeymoon shack. Her Ugh. father built her this 
this building and it's where she spent her money. And he never told he you He never that. told me. I He was wow. vetting me, apparently. Wow. And, he, wow. and as we all know, he should have vetted me a little. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you passed some test, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Acting. <laughs> Acting genius. I thought she was a poet who loved nature. Um, so anyway... Um, yeah. Turns out I was a good breeder, though. Oh, when we will wow. discuss my kids later. But um, but I'm so sure he, your kids can't he wait. He lets me know his oh. grandmother honeymoon there, and at the time I believe he owned like one fourteenth of it. Like the grandparents each got left a quarter. Rose Champlin's kids each got left a quarter, and their grandchildren each. So he owned something like one eleventh of it, and we slowly began buying up the other elevenths because the you know it was it was a shack with an outdoor shower and too many people competing for the time there. So our timing was really good. Wow. That people weren't really fighting for the shack because they all wanted the big building. So we slowly, and and and, and this is a beautiful story. When we got married, um, our invitation, and I still have a copy of the, the wedding invitation, um, we invited people to the hill where the lilies bloom. And that's where oh, you were. Wow. Um, you were at our wedding. You and oh, Patty yeah. were there. You might have had, uh, gosh, I don't know if, if Lindsay would have been born by then. It's hard to say. Hmm. 90, 90, um, we got well, married in 96. When was Oh, great. It's going to be a no, test here on you the recording. You do know what year your daughter was born. <laughs> yes. What year was Lindsay born? Lindsay was born in 93. Yeah. And that's yeah. when we that's yep. when we got married. So I think Lindsay was in a car seat. I remember I a picture so of I think so, too. Yeah. Little, yep. Yep. Um, How did Patty carry? Because I, I have a picture of me in a jacket and tie in front of the Hygieia pre-restoration. So wow. Yep. It's a very, so that, that it's was a unique the, photo. That's, I'm like, that's the wedding. Yeah. Yep, I'm, that's I'm, the wedding. I'm we, dressed in wedding garb, standing in front of a boarded up, you know, which is where, and house. that's where we got married. Yeah. The whole place is boarded really cool. up. The shack is the shack. Yep. Rich ba- Rick Batchelder's horses brought us in. Yeah. So we yep. get married at this old abandoned place. I'm holding Lindsay in the yeah. picture and she's yeah. just a little little baby yeah a little loaf of bread yeah yep. a little wow. loaf of bread so the hygia you know a real long story short champ and i slowly you know were buying people out because i loved the shack so much and um so we got married in 96 on the property and 98 is the year no we got married in 93 because 96, I keep saying, that's when Oren was born. And then in 98 is the year that the town forced Mae Keneally, who's the woman who owned the property, they forced her into a sale. The The property had become so neglected that it became dangerous. Yep. Right. Um, as you guys remember, people were shacking up in there. It was yeah. a huge fire threat. Yep. And, um, so they reach a point with yep, the people and yep. they say, Where either they fix, fix it up, it up or, or we're taking it. Or, because yeah. it's in the historic district and it's yep. a menace. So Reno, she Reno or demo. So she basically may put it on the market. There wasn't an asking price. Anybody could make a bid. Um, lots of people. Mark Tilson, I be- is he still the building official? But Mark Mark had a file. He's trying not to be. Mark, yeah. Mark had a file of the hundreds of people that had gone in because people would walk by that building and ev- not everybody, but if it one intended... Most- no, it's people that would come out for the summer that would walk by that building and think, "Who's got- that building's going to fall down. Why doesn't somebody do something with it? So basically, they would then get as far as the town hall to ask and Mark would say there's an owner and she's not selling you know you can't have it nobody wants to sell it so she didn't need the money they they pushed her in they pushed her into to into selling or fixing it up yeah 
She really didn't want to do either. Uh, so the property became available by May through her attorneys. And Champ and I really didn't have any money. We didn't put an asking price on it. But we did include a lot of the poems that I'd written sitting on that property as a young 20, 21-year-old, 22-year-old falling in love with the island. And one of the poems is called July's Tigers. And before we bought it, you know, when that hilltop was untamed, the whole hilltop would just bloom with wild tiger lilies, which is why I called it the hill ah. where the lilies bloom. So all that stuff leading back to the Empire Theater, wow. we got married there with the grass blowing. And years later, those silly poems helped her. Her lawyers called us. Oh, they so weren't that silly. You sent the poems as your asking price or a, par- we a part them in, of your like we were trying to say we don't like this is we don't want to compete for money like we were certain we could borrow the money if we needed to so we said that in our offer you name your asking price we don't right. know we don't know what price tag to put your, on your, this your, place your poems were showing of your reflection of how much you love you that piece yeah. yeah that's what yeah. it was and that's amazing yeah. and there's a relation there with she Champ, liked you know, our so. bid more than anybody else's we were told that um there were two other bids that they were considering because of the asking price. And the, and the lawyers, they, you know, they make fun of me. Like the language, of course, was spot on. You know, you can't put a price tag on memories and you can't. I wasn't saying that to get the bid, but it was true. Like, right. And when Champ and I were trying to bid on it, at that point, we realized we wanted to do it. And we realized our future could be there. I mean, Champ took a huge hit when he stopped sailing tankers around the world. And he wasn't a super young guy. So being on scaffolding and putting shingles on roofs in the middle of a block, you know, it was kind of like, what are we going to do? Right. So it all just made sense. It was kind of like one of those things that wanted to happen. There's no doubt about it. Destiny, if you will. It really was. And it comes right down to this is the final part of the story, I'll tell you. She did accept our bid. So then we just had to come up with the money. And we had had people offer to lend us. And as, once we opened that can of worms, like really going to the people who were invested, interested in investing with us, you know, we realized we began to forge our business plan, which was immediate, not immediately, but realizing pretty shortly in that it wouldn't be a smart idea to take investors in. Right. We were already <laughs> developing our own ideas about how we wanted to run it. I had a thought about running the writing series that I ran for 15 years. The you know, Workshop. The idea of one of my favorite books was the Hotel New Hampshire. Uh, you know, I'd memorize, that was one of my books like Slapstick that I just read all summer and made everybody I work with memorize it. You know, the man in the white dinner jacket. We knew who he was. We felt like we were living it because in the Hotel New Hampshire, it's about two kids that meet on their summer job at this falling down hotel called uh, the Arbuthnot by the Sea. It's in Maine. And and, and so it, it was like I was living in one of these stories that I love so much. The, the deal about getting the money, this is a crazy story, but we decided we didn't want to ask friends to invest, so we went to every bank. We owned a home. I mean, we had good credit. We still didn't have a million dollars like to put into the renovation of the place. So every bank, including good old Washington Trust, turned us down. Um, they were like, there's no way you can do this. And, and our vision was taking a part of the building and taming it. You know, maybe getting three rooms ready so we could generate income and then do the next three rooms and then generate more. And then none of that made sense. You can't be renovating two rooms and renting two rooms at the same time, you know. And um, 
So pretty much every bank in Rhode Island turned us down, and we were just about to ask somebody for money. And I I mentioned that at the time I had a part-time job. I was running the Block Island Tourism Council, and I was at a meeting at the Museum of Work and Culture up in Woonsocket. I did my presentation. I wasn't like the other tourism council directors in the same way that I wasn't like the other poet laureates. I mean, I'm a hippie, and I'm playing the Grateful Dead on the way to the meeting, and and I'm a little disheveled. I never really wore business cash and um i'm like an imposter in a boardroom you know but i do my whole thing and then i'm like oh my god i gotta go or i'm gonna miss the boat and literally that means not getting back and i have two infants you know you don't leave the husband at home overnight with two babies so i like i'm like i kind of ended the thing and i'm i'm running out to the car realizing how much time i have and of course, I need that four minutes in stop and shop to get the formula and the diapers and everything. For champ. And as I'm running, <laughs> as I'm running, <laughs> as I, you started early, um, and, and, uh, and so I on um, formula. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Just clear that we up. could go. Yeah. We could go in many directions with that one. Um, <laughs> um, but he, but there was a business card on the bottom of my shoe. So I'm like perfect, you know. Instead of doing the whole bit PowerPoint presentation with a zipper with the zipper down, I've got a piece of toilet paper on the bottom of my shoe, which is about par for the course. So I'm just like, you slob. And I go to pull the piece of toilet paper off the bottom of my shoe. And it's actually a business card from an international high risk lender called Business Lenders Inc. There's an 800 number. Woonsocket, I believe, still hasn't changed much in 28 years. I think those Mm -mm. same potholes are still there. There's a huge pothole right in front of the subway. Um, not the subway station, but the sandwich shop in Woonsocket that's still there. And I believe the payphone on the street is still there. That's where I pulled in to avoid the pothole and call this 800 number on the business card. That you found, that I found on, on the, the bottom, bottom of, of your shoe. shoe. From a payphone. The guy's name was Alan Scribner. I reached him in Hartford. Business Lenders is a high-risk international lender. I called the guy. I'm like, I'm in Woonsocket at the subway shop. I can't talk long because I got to get I found your card on the bottom of my shoe. I found your card on the bottom of my shoe, and I believe <laughs> and in signs. can I have a million dollars? And I'm trying to buy a business on Block Island, and I believe it's going to happen. And here you are, and you want to know what? I still have my quarter in my hand. Do you know, Alan Scribner, when you put a quarter in a, in a payphone and dial 800, you get your quarter back? So this is a free <laughs> phone call. And he's like, he, he talks to me, and, and then he's like, I'm answering, and he's like, wait a minute, don't you have a boat to catch? And I'm, I'm like, I do. And he's like, tell me your phone number. You're, you're fascinating. Can I call you tonight? <laughs> I catch the boat. I come in with the child. I've got it all. We got two kids. I got to change two diapers and we sit down to eat. And I don't even have a chance to tell champ about making this phone call when the phone rings. And it's this guy, Alan Scribner. So I talked to him for about an hour. He says, you've got quite a story. I want to meet you, if nothing else. And he said, would it be okay if I flew to the island tomorrow? And I was like, sure. And so he flew to the island and... Three days later, flew back with his vice president. And Champ will remember her. She kept telling us, um, people. this was her line. And this is also why I have to write a book. She kept telling us, people don't want steak, they want sizzle. And I couldn't quite figure out what she was saying. I finally got it like a week later. And, and I was like, she's wrong. They want steak. Like she wanted us to have a boutique hotel. 
Oh, oh, you know, some so they don't, yeah, even, yeah. they don't even care if they yeah. get steak. Give them, you know, it's like cat's cradle. Where's the cat and where's the cradle? You know, there, there isn't any. So, so they want the sizzle. So she saw us running this really boutique-y thing, whether or not that ever happened, because of course it didn't. Like we fought with the bankers about not having TVs in the rooms. Like I refused that. I wasn't. I did. I didn't want that kind of clientele. So we we fought with the bankers a great deal. But the the thing is, they loaned us. They loaned us. Um, I think it was nine hundred ninety five thousand dollars within two weeks. Wow. So we went like a year. You know, going to these banks and groveling. They liked us so much that they put us on a billboard, and we were part of their advertising. No, that's exaggerating. We weren't on a billboard. We were a huge part of their advertising campaign. Okay. So we were like in AAA magazine. It was like when Champ and Lisa Starr wanted to borrow <laughs> money <laughs> to buy his great grandfather's place. Every bank oh, in Rhode Island, they latched them down. right onto the and narrative. And that's absolutely true. Yeah, they did that. That they part were is lying. true. They also charged yep. us like twenty percent interest. But, yeah, well, but they believed in us enough. That's not on and the that poster. Guy, that guy, Alan Scribner, actually came back. It was incredible because that part of the story is just so wild. That is wild. And I was in the year when I knew I was leaving the Hygieia, when I'd sold the business and I knew I was leaving, I wrote that whole year because I was certain I was writing a book about the whole thing, including the leaving of it. And I, you know, that part of the story is just so fantastic. And I'd been writing about it. I was kind of up all night writing about it. The Alan Scribner part of the story is so miraculous. And the next day I'm in keeping and that and everything's happening. And people always were stopping by to see me. Jen Lighty, I got a, I got, we'll go back to Jen Lighty, but, um, Jen Lighty was basically my bodyguard for the last four years. And she even had to keep people like John Whitaker and Melinda out. Like they really wanted to say goodbye to me. And I was like, nope. And, and Jen's like, not even John and Melinda. And they've got the baby. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. And there were back secret staircases that I could hide in. I spent a lot of time in the chambermaid's room. And then I could hear like the sound of people going down the front steps. I spent yeah. some time in the chambermaid's room. Yes, too. you did. Uh, you sure did. However, we're going to have to save those stories because Lisa. We're out of time. I can't believe it. I didn't tell you anything. You told us quite a oh bit. Oh my stuff. gosh! No, this has been wonderful. This is gold. I, I have to talk about Jen Lighty, Jews for Jesus. Yeah, because I'm Jesus down your notes because yeah, I'm start gonna... making notes. Yeah, and you know, I found out this year I'm part Jewish. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Seven and an eighth. L'chaim. Yeah, I'm part of the tribe. Wow. I had no idea. L'chaim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, thanks for being with us. I'm so sorry we have to end I'm here. I'm so disappointed. Well, please Why? don't be, because be. we are returning, I hope, right? Wow. Last week, I saw a tarot reader on Saturday during this time, and I had no idea that it would be topped by this. Even really? Even though she told me, I've got some big romance headed my way. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that could lead into our lightning round. Oh, oh God, yeah, that's we still right. get to do lightning. We got to do the yeah. lightning oh, round. This will truly be a lightning round, because, okay. because uh, Rich actually does have to catch a boat, I think, at some point. Maybe you'll find a business card on the bottom of your shoe. That'll you never know. And then and someone it says, will give go, you a- it'll say, go back to the studio. Oh, it does <laughs> already. Lisa, she's never, and now I'm pouting. Will you come back to the studio? Can you hear me pouting? It's over? all up to you. We're, we're I'm here. I'm coming we'll back. Do it. All yeah. right. <laughs> all right. Light, Lisa Starr, here is your lightning round. Go ahead, Rich. Dogs or cats? Both. If you were really hungry, could you eat a bug? <sighs> I, I'm sure I've eaten bugs, but I wouldn't out of hunger. Okay. You find a hair in your soup. Do you send it back? No way. In fact, I made my sister keep a fish at Finn's that had a worm in it. She's still mad at me for it. And we tipped double on it. 
That's, oh, wow, that's nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't when you were there, or just <laughs> uh, Whitman or Poe. Whitman. One to ten. Had to ask. <laughs> One to ten. How good are you at trivia? Um, well, I did win one set club soda, but I think it was just because our mascot were the sa- we were snails. Um, but probably really only about a seven. Okay. Uh, southeast light or north light? Southeast. Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump are drowning. You can only save one. Which one? Neither. <laughs> You didn't say I had to say I, I did That's not. Right. That's you perfect. Didn't. That's perfect. I was going to say, I would just make a sandwich. Are you kidding? Uh, one final lightning round question. Uh, do you have a Block Island crush? Yeah. Who? <laughs> All right. Well, I have several, but the one I'll tell you is David Graham. Doesn't everybody have a crush? Wait a oh, God. See? Well, I couldn't oh, tell you the real question. ones. I couldn't tell you the real ones because they make me blush. Do, like you, have a, do you have a real Block Island crush? Yes, Mark Scortino. <laughs> <laughs> me too. And I, have crush, I have a crush on Rich too, but it's not quite like with me Mark. Me too. <laughs> it's the, yeah. Well, I mean, look. It's, I understand. It's, it's just that I'm receptive to advice and... Um, that that's Plus you that's love, what huh? really what, what really turns you on in a guy i want a guy that i can give advice to unsolicited advice to and i'm just like part of it a is sponge. mark you know my soundtrack so i will say like i don't want to offend anybody but i do think i get more requests played that most than most people at piano well bar. you asked for leonard cohen you, i asked for you, leonard cohen you, i asked for the good old steely dan yeah, like who do. asked for bad sneakers nobody Right, you Haitian do. divorce. You came up with Haitian divorce. I did. I love, that was that's brilliant. one of my favorite songs. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know what to say. Other than I'm blushing now, uh, and uh, I wish we had more time. Uh, we well, we're know. gonna. I we are. There's a whole. We're talking about poet laureate here. Yeah. We I feel so unharnessed. Your your son feel, is. Um, this is you. Feeling, Orin is uh, you know sailing the world. Orin is sailing milling, the world. You know, and can so we just say, if of I'm that. off the show, the first paragraph that Orin ever said he was about two. Do you want to know what the paragraph was? Yeah. It was very concise. It was. Lindsay Trethaway. <laughs> oh, wow. He was um, two and she was five. Oh. Lindsay Trethaway. It said it all. Oh. One of those real <laughs> January to December romances. Well, so. you can't, you know, blame him, I guess. No. I, I like her. Yeah. You know, she very... was she was at the moment here. <laughs> oh yeah. We have so much more to talk about. Don't don't say any more because I really want to do another episode. Okay. Um, I could drive you to the boat. I'm sure I could get you there in 18 minutes. (laughs) I'd be terrified. (laughs) I wouldn't have any fingernails left from hanging on. All right. Well, we do have to wrap it up. Listeners, thanks for listening to us in this episode. Please tell your friends about our podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, Reach out to us with suggestions, ideas, comments. Our email is twoguysonbi at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on all of your favorite social media platforms and uh, uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you listen to it, whether it's Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. And tell your friends, too. And, and also, re- remind your friends, unsolicited advice. These guys thrive on it. They really email, want a lot of advice about yeah, their show. Well, in. you have the email now. You can just, like, <laughs> you know, Lisa, anytime, click, click, goo, goo, just hit send and you can, all day. I'm sensing spam for lunch. <laughs> How fun. All right, well, that about wraps it up. Have a great week. Watch how it